Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohanad is here. Hello. And Buddy is here. We jamming. We jamming. <laughs> I hope you like jamming too. <laughs> This, it's gonna be our, our theme for the next like month, as long as Mohanad keeps up what he's doing that we won't say uh, in public. <laughs> this is gonna provoke questions. I, I can answer. Relay all the questions to me. How about that? <laughs> our correspondent. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to start. I want to start this episode with a, a quote. Um, and it's from Warren Barton. Okay. I don't normally get involved in politics, but what is going on in the world is wrong. Globe emoji, prayer emoji. Hmm. That's deep. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 assume, I assume the war is over now. <laughs> <laughs> Putin was just waiting for Warren Barton to chime in. Yeah. He, he just pushed him over. He's like, all right, I, I see what I'm doing wrong here. I just, like... I, what I really love about it is how vague it is. Could be about anything. So he might not even know about the war. What I want to know is if Warren Barton ever said, "Marcus Rashford, stick to football and not politics." Like <laughs> I'm keeping score. <laughs> I bet he did. I bet he did. Anyway, I mean, I, I suppose we do need to address the the elephant in the room, um, or or the bear. Uh, the bear? Which one? The Russian bear? Yeah. Okay. Alex, lead us into the Russian bear then. Uh, they've attacked Ukraine. It's a bit rude, frankly. Um, and from a from a football perspective, they've now been kicked out of everything. <laughs> everything isn't to it, do with football. Isn't it unless they change their name? To, to rock, like rock, rock Nation. <laughs> yeah, Rock Nation or. <laughs> The Rock Boys in the building tonight. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I think that, that every time we say bear, I mean our our OG listeners mm. will know that when we say bear on the Koshkosh, we think of Mumu of the Week from like twenty. I want to say what fifteen. Yeah. Oh, that early, eh? Oh yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. don't remember the story exactly, but it was if you guys remember our Mumu segment where we picked an idiot or a fool off the field, but related to football, and I think our if we had a Hall of Fame, this one would be on the top by a mile. And it was a Russian footballer, I believe, who Kirill hired... Kombov. Yes. And he hired a live real bear <laughs> for his, like, five-year-old daughter's birthday. Well, like, on a chain and a muzzle. And his kids were, like, sitting on top of it. And it's in a party hat. Yes, it is. It's so drugged out of its mind. I think they also took the bear to do a halftime show or something at the stadium. Like, I think it was the same bear that did this. And then, you see, the, the best moves came out of Russia. Wasn't there another one where the owner of a club said that the team could not play their home game that week because he was throwing his daughter's wedding at the stadium? Yes. Remember that one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He tried to make them play like a thousand miles away or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry, my daughter's getting married. I own the club. What are you going to do? It really is amazing. Um, anyway, you know we're not, you know we're not trying to be flippant. Obviously, horrendous things are going on. Um, we're just trying to make it through the evening, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. So um, we're we're going to laugh because that's all that's all there is left to do. Um, so Chelsea lost the uh, the Carabao Cup final after subbing on Kepa to uh, save penalties, which he adamantly refused to do. 
Um, <laughs> even though he was standing right where Van Dyke uh, shot his, which is just one of the best penalties I've ever seen. Um, obviously, in retrospect, it looks like a terrible decision. But what did you guys think of the decision to sub off Mendy, who had had possibly the game of his life? I don't mind the concept, but I mind the personnel. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not taking... Like, Kepa, I don't know Kepa. I don't know that he has this reputation as an unbelievable penalty saver. Yes, maybe he saved a few. But I don't think he has that kind of reputation. You know what I mean? That's number one. Number two, Mendy is the best keeper in the world on form for the last two years, including what he did in the African Cup of Nations, which included saving penalties. So he's tall, he's lanky, he's a very good goalkeeper. You know, don't tell me that he cannot save penalties. It just, you know, if the replacement is like Toldo or something, fine. <laughs> but like not kept, like it just doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't mind the principle. I just mind the fact that it was done with these two players in mind. I I I took. I'm not a fan of the tactic. I know ever since Tim Krul, like an LVG did it with Tim Krul, it's become fashionable or whatever. I'm not a fan of it personally. I think that worked in isolation, but Tim Krul, as we now know, was just that good. <laughs> like I don't think the marginal gains that you get is worth it, especially if Mendy has been having the game of his life. Like which, which he was up to that point. I go stick with the guy who's been saving things. I know penalties are different, you know, different breed, whatever. But I don't like it, especially like like it, height is important, right? I get it. If you're too tall, it's bad. If you're too short, it's bad. Neither of them are like Mendy's too tall, Kepa's too short. Just go with the guy who's been doing the job. Because <laughs> like, listen, Mendy. Here's my thing with that Van Dyke penalty, right? If Mendy guesses the right way. He doesn't even have to dive. He can just slap, like move his hand to the right, and he would have slapped it away. It was that easy, and Kepa couldn't do that. That tells me all I need to know. I would have kept Mendy on there. I just thought like that penalty was one of the best pieces of coldest of sauce. <laughs> we pieces of sauce, uh, pots of sauce we've ever seen. Like Kepa was literally standing in the corner of the goal, and Van Dijk was like, "Fuck you." That's exactly where I'm putting this ball. And if it takes your face off, then it takes your face off. It was glorious. I think it wasn't just the penalty. It was after the penalty. There was the stare down. Like, are yeah. you playing around with me here? Like, to be fair, all the penalties up until Kepa's were really good penalties. Like, yes, Kepa could have mm. gotten one or two, but there was a few high caliber penalties. Like, Salah's penalty was bang in the corner. James for Chelsea was a beautiful penalty. There was a lot of really good... Jorginho did his thing. Like, there was... The penalties were high quality. Yes, I think Kepa had a chance to save one or two, which he should have, and, and kind of game should have ended there. Yeah, um, but really, there was a couple of again, like you say, pots of sauce. The Van Dyke stare down. I think Salah, after scoring his, looked at Kepa and gave him a little smile. But also on his way out, Jorginho was walking, and Salah and his, you can tell in his accent when, <laughs> don't jump, you know, <laughs> like it was just. There's a couple of moments there, and um, but yeah, it was an unbelievable game. All around, I think penalties were what eleven ten at the end there, or yeah, eleven ten because every, all of Liverpool took a Kelleher had a fantastic penalty for a goalkeeper. Um, but the game as well, like I mean, you talk about the penalties and the goalkeepers, the VAR and the and the refs, they had their day too. Like it, I think this game was like a like a, at the time I said it was a four two nil nil. Mm-hmm. Like it could have ended something ridiculous, but instead it was one of the better nil nil we've ever seen. What was with the 
because I saw bits and pieces of this game, and some of the calls I saw, you know, in retrospect, I was like, huh? Like, what? I don't, I didn't, I frankly didn't understand half of them, especially that Lukaku offside one, because, like, you know how VAR will show you, like, typically, they'll show you the line, and then people, no, sometimes people draw their own line, right? And they go, what is this? And they show you what they use, and you go, okay, fine. If I, if I use what you're saying, I get it. But even the one that they showed, I'm like, <laughs> it says he's yeah, onside, but I'm mean, looking at your line that you've drawn, and even by your measurement, he's onside. What did I miss something during yeah. the game, or is that just like, like? Yeah, they have different rules for the cup final. No, it just like, and and as as uh, some people have pointed out, like Lukaku was offside because he was pointing where he wanted the pass to go. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Wait, it's but just ridiculous. Are not, I thought they the rule is. It's b- parts of the body that up, you can score with. Up to with. the sleeve, up to the sleeve, because the sleeve is not handball anymore. When so basically, they draw the line. So basically, Cameroon <laughs> will get all the calls if they wear that kit from that one African Cup of Nations where they were banned from wearing that. You know, wear wear that kind of whatever the, sleeveless the kit, and you will pretty much not be. But you will have more handballs called against you. So you know, it's it's balanced. Wait, right? wait, sorry, hold on. Are you serious? Like, is this because? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm serious. The sleeve thing is legit. Like, yeah, it's yeah. A thing. they draw the line at the sleeve. They when do. did they start doing this? No, they did. They did. They've been doing it for a while. <laughs> Yesterday, like, this is crazy. I couldn't tell you, but it's mental. Uh, like, it's completely. They've just lost the plot of like what offside's meant to be and and what it's there for. And uh, the whole point is to like, or at least it used to be, was to give the benefit of doubt to the striker. And now it's just like, if you're remotely in line with the defender in any way, we're going to call you offside. It's honestly a joke. Yeah, the, but the part that also bothers me with this, with the VAR uh, style is that nobody ever questions whether they stopped the play at the right moment. Nobody ever mm. goes to look at like the, the player's foot touching the ball because there is a second there where ball, like kind of foot to ball to ball kind of squishing to ball leaving foot. Which point are you stopping it? Because if we're talking about like a thread on a sleeve, you could potentially move that forward or backwards just enough and it will still look like he's kicking the ball at that moment, right? Like, that's the part where also nobody, like, looks at that and you just go, oh, well, they've picked this moment. Let's just use this one. But, you know, there is half a second there of, like, did the ball leave his foot yet or did it not? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And there was one There was one, even one today uh, where I think Kane got ruled offside, but, like, the defender had pulled his shirt which put his body in a position where he then got called offside. Like it's just, I, I yeah. Can't I think there's a new it, there's a new thing now, or I don't know if you've seen it, where defenders when they're all waiting for a free kick to come into the box, defenders literally push the strikers offside now. Yeah, yeah, because like <sighs> your chances of getting back onside when the when the decision is that minute are, are so slim. Anyway, I just um, feel like they need to keep, keep it simple. Just keep it simple was always better. It was just, it just was. I'm sorry. Give me daylight or give me death. <laughs> but the game was fantastic, man. The chances, the goals were good. The, the the both teams, Chelsea put up a really good fight against this Liverpool side. I think Chelsea, I would say, if you have to look at the game overall, would maybe just edge it slightly over the ninety or even one twenty minutes. I mean, in the extra time it was a bit whatever, but over ninety minutes, I think Chelsea edged it a little bit for me. Havertz played again. Havertz, remember big we talked about him playing. In the big games that seem like they're not big games, mm-hmm. but um, he played a really like he plays that role really well. That number nine, he does both the coming deep and also like he's got that running power on him. 
um, that is deceiving, same as his heading ability is also deceiving. Um, he had a fantastic game. And overall, I think I think Chelsea played really well. Reese James coming back was big for them too. Mm-hmm. They, they look a different team with him. So, um, yeah, so Liverpool won one first trophy out of a possible four this season. Yeah, and they they are also looking, uh, you know, invigorated. Um, Diaz coming straight into the team. Like, it's not that they look different. They just have an extra level of energy. Like, they're really ramping up. Um, Joe Gabonito, baby. No look much five so. yard, no look passes. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, someone, I think, wrote like, "We get it, you're South American." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but can we let's focus on Chelsea just for another couple minutes because um, Abramovich seems to be trying to sell the club. Uh, I mean, first a couple of days ago there was that statement which meant absolutely nothing about him handing over stewardship or whatever, which is a made-up thing. Um, and then some reporting came out today um, that he's been offering the club around to various billionaires. Um, this could be this could be huge. I mean, anyone that buys it is not going to be spending any less, you know. So if I were a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't be necessarily worried about that. But, but I think I think he massive. has he has a he has a connection other than the money, and I think the money spending comes from that connection that he has one for the love of the game in general, and two whether he was always a Chelsea fan is a different story. But kind of once he bought the club, he became like a hardcore Chelsea fan, and I think he is one of the few owners that is like I'm a billionaire fan, and I just want to kind of have fun with this club that I own, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where the money spending comes in. It doesn't come from kind of an obligation to spend. It comes from like well, I want the club that I support to have the best players. And hey, guess what? It is in my hands. So I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. The only reason he sort of stopped spending as much was, I think, A, he didn't need to. But B, remember, they had that whole immigration issue or whatever. So he couldn't mm-hmm. really do that much anyway. And Marina was doing a good job running it. So to Alex's point, if he sells it and the person just lets Marina do her job, no one cares. Like, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna be fine. But I'm just curious as to... Which bank accounts are you going to let him use to take the money? <laughs> this is the thing. Like, he'll have lost a lot of rubles in the last week, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll see. And uh, Alisher Uzmanov also having his uh, assets frozen. So, like, tr- tricky time for the oligarchs. Yeah. Good good for Everton. <laughs> well, I mean, Arsenal dodged that bullet. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Um, all right. Uh, other than uh, Thomas Tuchel getting really mad about having to answer questions for taking money from uh, from an oligarch, I think I think we're done with Chelsea. I mean, that, to <laughs> me- <laughs> I mean, look. Yes, it's hilarious. But at the end of the day, I mean, like if if you go and ask every employee of every multinational company around the world, like, hey, by the way, your company is obviously doing some shady shit all over the world, they'll be like, what do you want from me, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. like the Aeroflot flight attendants who aren't Russian. They're like, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> I just got here for the paycheck. Well, leave me alone. <laughs> do you want tea or coffee with this? I did. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> Go talk to the big dog. Just leave me alone. <laughs> the, the problem is that most employees of most companies don't do like four press conferences a week so, like, <laughs> yeah good point what are you gonna do um all right let's uh let's do the debate right it's gonna be Mohanan and i against bernie what is the debate the topic is marcelo bielsa oh yeah <laughs> i'm gonna let you start i think bernie's uh, my prediction is bernie's gonna go super soft now because he's been sacked <laughs> 
that's what's gonna happen. Like you know when you you know when you just like you, you're so mad and then the cl- anti climax like oh he's been sacked now let me be nice and cordial about this. This is what's gonna happen. By the way, this is what happened to Ralph after we beat him nine 0 I was like you know what I'm cool with Ralph and Hootal. It's like, it's like we're we're good Ralph. It's all right. <laughs> But he learned from Sir Alex, who started being nice once he stopped feeling threatened <laughs> by Alex and Wenger, yeah. Oh, God. Um, look, my, <laughs> my beef with Marcelo Bielsa was a beef because he got put on that ridiculous world, like, top managers in the world list, like, top five, because he got, he got leads. No, it's not his fault. It's not. We gotta, this is how agendas work. It's no one's fault. <laughs> understand it's yeah, not yeah, you're right fault. it's not Pogba's no one's fault it just is what yeah, it is okay yeah. so like, he was put on this pedestal and I thought I can't believe this like I, I just cannot believe this because I hated Mohamed likes to say he hates overhype and that was exactly what it was with Bielsa you get a team promoted so what they acted as if he had played the greatest football they've ever seen in championship I'm pretty sure Eddie Howe played wonderful football getting Bournemouth mm-hmm. up I'm pretty sure he did that but the point was Yes, he's this hipster guy who has influenced all these people. But when he came into the league, people were like, oh, my God, they're going to deck people. They're going to destroy teams. That didn't happen. And I said it wouldn't happen because everyone's been promoted. But other teams have done better jobs while being promoted. He's not going to do anything magically special. And he did not. I'm sorry, he did not. He got decked left and right, up and down, time after time after time, while apparently playing expressive football as if we've never seen that before from a promoted team it's just this idea that he did something that we'd never seen which was bullshit that i took issue with he was getting off on his aura and that's okay but if we admitted that that would have been better so would he have lasted no he's not lasting anywhere more than three years anywhere because people get tired of him anyway so i think he's a good manager it's fine cool but this is not a single thing that's groundbreaking from him and didn't deserve all that hype. That was just me. And Jesse Marsh, he'll get sacked in a year or two. My, my, my main takeaway from that is don't get off on your own aura. Um, Mohaned, do you want to go next? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, I, I think what he's done for Leeds over the last however many years is... The problem is these things don't get taken into account when you're just shit in the moment. Um, but, you know, coming up through the ranks where they were before he joined, the football that he got into play, all that good stuff. The problem is that's all credit in the bank, but at some point it gets spent, right? And it this season, I think, was too low even by those standards. Now, the one thing I'll say against Bielsa is that too many times he's almost like a little bit of Arsene Wenger at the end of his reign, like doing the same thing and expecting different results. It's like, look, mate, everybody knows Leeds against a top team is going to ship four to five goals. Are you going to do anything about it? No. He's just going to play exactly the same way every game. And it's just like, is that going to fly? Especially that you're kind of getting pulled into a relegation battle? I don't think so. So I think the, if you're going to level one thing at him, it's that he's not flexible. He's not, he didn't adapt to kind of the, the, the reality of the situation that Leeds were, are in this season. And unfortunately, it's all about this season. I mean, keeping Bielsa and the loyalty and everything he's done, it's not enough in the face of for example getting relegated it's just not enough unfortunately in in the kind of the world that we're in when it comes to managers yeah no i i don't disagree and i don't even think that sacking him was or, or mutually parting of ways or whatever it was the wrong decision um i really like jesse marsh do i think that with what is it like 12 13 games to go he can turn it around i'm really not sure but 
my main thing about Bielsa is, and and we we speak about this quite a lot, but you really don't know what's going on at a club unless you're following them full time. You just don't like part, partly like sports journalists who try to cover, uh, and including us, not that we're journalists, but if you try to cover all the teams, like you'll just get a lot of stuff wrong because you just don't know unless you follow a club closely. And if you listen to the Leeds fans, this is like their favorite manager of fucking all time, almost apart from like Don Revy and the, and the classics. Like they love this man to bits because he created um, a, a relationship with them. Um, he's been, you know, a, a thoroughly decent and, and like moral human being um, in, in a game that is lacking that. And at the same time, he's, he took a mid-table, like really average championship team who haven't been able to get back up into the Premier League for whatever it is, like 20 years. He got them He got them promoted. Last season, he finished ninth. Like, yes, other other teams have got promoted and done well the following season, but that's a very good season. And he did. they did batter some teams along the way, playing, you know, it's not that no one's ever played expressive football before, but he was playing expressive football in the Premier League with a team that is mid that was mid table in the championship. And so, you know, we, we have some managers like Pep Guardiola and whatever, and, and we are happy to say that like Guardiola's methods wouldn't work with bad players, right? Like if Guardiola took over Burnley, would he do well? No, I think we're, we're all comfortable saying that Bielsa is almost the opposite. Like Bielsa's methods wouldn't work with an all-star team who aren't going to listen to him when he asks them to run a hundred miles a game, but Bielsa's methods will get a team of, you know, average players playing far better than the sum of their parts and for that reason i think you could call him one of the the best managers in the world because that's also a huge skill that's also you know arguably as big a talent as getting the best players in the world to play as well as man city do i have no problem with that but i have the problem with eddie howe takes bournemouth from division three or whatever to division two to the championship, then to the Premier League, all the way, doesn't get anywhere the level of hype. Other managers have done similar things, don't get any level of hype. And I get what you're saying. You're correct. It makes sense. But I don't like the, you know, this hipster, classy, good foreigner thing. It's, it's, just, it's just unbelievable to me. And again, the overhype gets to a level... That is just ridiculous. Like, there's no person in the world who can ever tell me that he deserves to be on that list. And I think, I think, that list, but it's the way everyone and you guys see it all the time, right? Where foreigners come in or someone comes in and the media just goes, "Oh wow, this is this." And it's like, mate, you've never watched him when he was manager of Lille. You never watched this. You never watched that. But you got this shiny eyes for something that you don't understand because someone else told you. And I hate that. And that was honestly part of where it came from for me. But none, none of any of these people watched the Bielsa team to be able to say half of the things that they were saying. And it annoyed the hell out of me. I'm sorry. That's, what, that's really what it was. Speaking of Eddie Howe, Newcastle beat Brentford 2-0. And this is, uh, I believe, the longest undefeated run that that club has had since Alan Pardew. Yeah. Eight your contract incoming. <laughs> well, didn't yeah. this end like this year or, or something for Pardew? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pardew. Well, when was he appointed? Like 2013, so 2020, I guess. Wow. Wow. Give or take. Unbelievable. Um, But, you know, I guess signing Chris Wood and Trippier and uh, I don't even remember if Bruno Guimaraes has played or done much, but... He, he keeps getting subbed on. You know, they've they've they're doing well, I guess. I apologize to Newcastle. There's one Newcastle fan I know who I told him that Bruce wasn't the problem. He would have kept them up anyway. And yeah, 
have you seen what man Bruce took over West Brom and they were like mid table. He's going to get them relegated from the championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. If you guys remember, I did. I did say that Newcastle clearly under Howe have been like. There's that energy. Like their games are fun to watch because they fight for every minute. Like there's this piece that came out about Joe Willock. He, so he's been in a good kind of scoring run and, and performance run over the past three games or so. And a piece came out about how Eddie Howe is a huge influence in that because he kind of like helped him. In, like something about Joe Willock living more in the suburbs than in the city center. So he doesn't get distracted by all the nightlife and the clubbing and all that. Like he's some kind of like a hamster or something. Um, but Eddie Howe was just like, yeah, I helped him do that and this and that. And, and you know, cheers, cheers to that. And, and I think he deserves some credit, um, but he's clearly putting together a team that are really fighting for every, for every point there. And, and I think it looks like they're going to stay up now. So I think that that's, that's in the bag. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to think that Steve Bruce was encouraging Joe Willock to go clubbing and <laughs> Eddie Howe's turned it around. Um, but on this, uh, I've got a question uh, from Curran at Curran BOP on Twitter who says, lads, need to know who your most improved team of this season so far has been. Um, and so that can be over the course of this season or last season to this season. Any thoughts? Yeah, for me, last season to this season is Wolves. I think... Mm. You know, Nuno had them when they first came up playing very good, solid defensive football, counterattack and all that stuff. But here they actually seem like a team that can control games. I know the last two games, sure, iffy. Um, but Arsenal won with a last-minute sort of push. And, yeah, Arsenal were a better team, but there was some weird sense of control in a way. I don't know how to explain it in that particular game even. And I felt they have a structure, they know what they're doing. Um, they are very high up in the table compared to where we thought they were. So to me, yeah, Bruno Log and uh, yeah, Jose Sa, <laughs> the MVPs. So good, good job to them. Fair Alex, enough. you go first. All right. Um, well, I so I have a list of three. Um, no, 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 no. Pick one. No, no, no. I know. I'm just gonna uh, right. pick one. Um, I'll go. I think I know where you're going, so I'm gonna go with Southampton. Um, Big Ralph has done an exceptional job. Like they were, they were not, I mean, they weren't going to get relegated last season, but they weren't that far off. I think they finished. Yeah. 15th, 43 points. And they are currently ninth, uh, with 35. So they'll, they'll, they'll beat last season's record easily. And the football they've been playing, like they're not scared of anyone, this team, four, four, two up and at them. Bro has been, been brilliant. Ralph's just like, He's got very, very few resources, this guy. Like they, they don't really make many, many moves in the transfer market. And he's just done with what he has and, and turned them into a really effective team this season. That's a good choice. Mine would be Everton. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Crystal Palace. Um, I think I rave about them enough that, Alex, I think you predicted that one. Um, I just love what Vieira's doing there. I think... Going from Hudson, who, again, did what he needed to do, kept him in the league, etc. Um, playing quite timid, predictable, kind of boring football, um, relying really heavily on just as a how moment. I think what Vieira's done, bringing in a couple of youngsters, playing some expansive football, trying to be on the front foot, scoring a lot more goals than we're used to from Crystal Palace. Um, you know, some exciting young signings, all that good stuff. I just think he, even just taking Vieira as... A manager, he's not very experienced. We thought he wouldn't do very well just from his previous stints and how he is as a person or what it seemed. And I think he's really exceeding what we what we thought he would do, especially with his um, 
kind of his previous managerial stints, etc. So, yeah, they they get my vote for sure. I've been I've been enjoying seeing them kind of play play well this season, and and they've been fun to watch. Fair enough. I agree. I mean, I, I think we discussed maybe a couple of weeks ago how like the points total isn't particularly different mm-hmm. necessarily, but the style is very different. As you said, everything about them has has been revolutionized, really. It's also to Bernie's point about how like, you know, if you're not in the top six and you're not in relegation, life is useless. So it might as well be fun to watch your team play football. Like I still get the same points, but, you know, I don't mind losing 2-0 and winning 2-0 than getting three draws. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, it's all about the journey. I think they're going to be an honorable mention for Arsenal in this sense, mm-hmm. you know, because last season, whatever, and the beginning of this season, you guys were make. I remember making jokes like, <laughs> if we even get to the Europa League places, that would be a success. And now you're, in my opinion, pole position. And I always say it, Chelsea still aren't even safe necessarily, which makes it kind of good um, for, for you. Um but you're now very, very strong top four contenders. That's that's a big jump in my in my book. So you know, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yep. Don't disagree. Didn't really want to bring it up or jinx it, but no, I, I was right. like, I'm, I'm, it's, you know, it's a new month. I'm gonna be a new man. You know, Marcelo's gone. Wow. I, I can be nicer now. <laughs> you got space in your heart. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, moving on, I, I want to talk about two uh, manager things. Uh, one, I, I really wish I could have picked up on the uh, the segue to Cameroon earlier because it was the only chance I would have got. But Rigobert Song has been appointed the manager of Cameroon by the president of Cameroon. I'm not sure if he's got any choice about <laughs> about it whatsoever, but uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, wow. I mean, we saw what uh, the Senegalese coach did, and I think they're going to be hoping to emulate the exact same path there for uh, for Song. Um, he also he also lost the final, kind of his fault when Zidane, Egyptian Zidane, kind of went through him, scored a goal in the final. So <laughs> very very parallel paths to uh, Senegalese the Senegalese manager. So um, it's always nice to kind of see people that you recognize. And I, it kind of dawned on me that now we're seeing all these players become managers all all around the world that like, even when you look at current older managers that used to be players, but like outside our generation or our time of watching, like that for older people was happening at the time too. It kind of seems to be a thing every generation where you just pick a few managers of ex players and they become managers and you kind of just follow along with them. So yeah, wish him all the best. We'll we'll see. He, he's always been a character. He was the captain of the national team for ages. So, kind of, I guess it fits. We'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Bernie, Manchester United have confirmed that they've started the search for a new manager. What's happening? And a new sponsor. Well, that's a few months. Yeah, yeah. That's a few months too late now. <laughs> like, I mean, we. I don't care. This, this they're gonna they're gonna hire. I, I don't Bielsa? Even, uh, God, please. God, 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 God help me. God. Look, there are some candidates that if they hire them, I would literally think about my support for the football club. Like it would it would become a question for the first time in my life. One of Can them is Brendan Rogers. <laughs> the second of them is Marcelo Bielsa. Although you probably quickly see me turn to a Bielsa fan, like yeah. quickly. But Rogers is in fact Rogers is the one if we ever hired him. I would die. But he managed Liverpool. Is that going to happen, really? It would never happen. It would never, right. ever. Like, one of the guys, one of, Samuel Locker, the United journalist who's an asshole, was like, well, this run of form has ruled uh, Rogers out of the running. I'm like, you think it was this? <laughs> really? Why, why, don't I put, why don't I put this to you? Ole had zero 
experience on his CV. I mean, he was a PE teacher. We all know this. But sure. going like going like ten levels up and keeping some of the variables, you've got Rooney coming through. I was just going to say this. I just watched a documentary. Uh, he seems like a very very good bloke now. <laughs> now you that said, he's grown up a bit. Yeah, you said any. Let me say uh, two things. Player that played one game for United. So Let me say two things. A lot. Rooney doesn't have half of the experience. But I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Rooney is doing a fantastic job at Derby. And I'm not even half joking. They won't do it. And it may not even be sensible. But if they did find Rooney as a manager, I would be the happiest person. Because I don't care. I want my Man United Legends back at the club. I don't care. Don't care. I'd do it. I would do it personally. It's going to be Pochettino, sadly. Um, Ten Hag, I'd prefer, but it's probably going to be sadly Pochettino. But Rooney, for me, I would write that in my my vote if I could. Fair enough. I mean, I I think. Um, oh God, what's your current manager's name? Ralph. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> half the managers are called Ralph. It's a good. It's a good. Um, I think like he's mad enough to do Bielsa. Like I think you might get murked. There's a, there's, there's a reasonable chance you might get murked with the Bielsa appointment, um, which would obviously make me very, very happy. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, speaking of uh, novice managers, Xavi is tearing it up. I mean, with the help of some excellent January signings that no one is quite sure, you know, were legitimate. Um, but like, Aubameyang has what, five and six? And Adama Traor is rinsing defenses left, right, and center, which we kind of knew would happen. And Usman Dembele is now like Barcelona's best player. It's it's amazing. Have you seen that tweet where someone was like, Adama has five assists in six, and he has five assists in ninety for Wolves, and they're like, <laughs> the farmer status of La Liga needs to be checked. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people want to check farmer statuses. I love it. <laughs> like you know how they say. You know, the physicality of the Premier League is so different and foreign players. I'm like, Adama looked at him and went, I can run past all of them. And just a little nudge and they're all gone. And he's just assisting, like, open crosses because he's just so strong. And, like, I'm amazed that Barcelona have gotten back into the top four race by being the most un-Barcelona version of Barcelona that I've ever seen. Like, I've seen more crosses and more headers... (laughs) In this season, and I've seen the last 10 years of Barcelona. It's incredible. Seriously. It's Luke De Jong's team. Everyone else is just, just you know, catering to him. Uh, sorry, I've just looked up the translation. Uh, Farmers League in Spanish. Liga de Granjeros. So Granjeros. Yeah. I like that. Not quite as good as it was in Italian with the Agricultura, but... Mohamed, <laughs> <laughs> just because... Uh, in my head, you are you are our La Liga correspondent, even though you may yeah. not be anymore. But that's that's, <laughs> that's your status. Like I'm looking at the stats, right? And mm-hmm. it's painful reading. I just want to get your reaction. Goals: Karim Benzema 19, Enes Unal 13, Raúl de Tomás 13, Vinny 13, José Lu 12, Juan Mi 5. How peasantry on a scale of one to ten? How peasantry is this? <laughs> Juan Mi. <laughs> Really, Juan me. <laughs> I know what you're saying, man. It's been like the fact that Barcelona are still in the running. The fact, like, it's been so topsy turvy. Madrid should have had this sewn up ages ago, and 
like in a look, La Liga is a serious league. Let's not get it twisted. But wait, this season, it hasn't been. Wait, let me read you the assist. Then let's see. Let's go back to that serious league okay. question. <laughs> question. Like, is your complaint who is scoring the goals or the number of goals? Because I'm just Ooh. looking at the Premier League top scorers and like, other than Salah, no one's got more than twelve. Alex, listen. No, Alex, relax. We're not here for logic. <laughs> relax. <laughs> When we were watching La Liga, it used to be like Messi 30 goals by now, Ronaldo 21 or some shit, and like Messi 30 assists. Now it's Benzema on nine, Oscar Trejo at nine, Iker Munian at seven, Jorge de Frutos at like seven. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm sounding like an asshole, but I'm just saying we want big name players to do big things, right? Like, and by the way, the the top assister at Barcelona. Guess who it is? Who's guess who it is? Dembele. No, Alba. Yes, I'm shocked. He's not playing any cutting like like left left wing cutbacks to Messi anymore, and he's still getting assists. Best player in the world, Jordi Alba. Bellic came for 20 minutes last game and had all the stats in the game, all the best stats in the game. Most uh, assists, most penetrative passes, most dribbles. And I think Alex, you retweeted something about like this is a big middle finger to what's his name? To Laporta? Because yeah. yeah. beginning of the season, Laporta is like, this guy has to leave. If he doesn't leave, or in January, if he doesn't leave, he's not going to play, blah, 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 blah. And Dembele has just ripped it up since. But also, also credit to Chaffee. Chaffee's like, what's the point of putting this guy mm-hmm. on the bench and just sulking for, for four months? Let me bring him in. He told the crowd to stop booing him and just get behind him. And he's producing. And people are saying, well, you know, could Arteta have done that with Aubameyang potentially? No. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. The point is, Good on Chaffee for kind of taking the high road and not just being a stubble mule and kind but of doing we, the right thing for the club. Let, let's let's also understand that Xavi took the high road because he has no option. Like, Barcelona are signing players because they need, A, they need players, and they're getting lots of people on freeze. They're just literally acquiring anything that they can. Luke de Jong, for example, and Aubameyang wasn't a request. That they wanted it was Aguero has a heart condition, so Wait, <laughs> he needs whoever he can get. And Dembele is a bot- warm body; he had to play him at some point. Yeah, Aubameyang also also arrived on an on a, unapproved flight. <laughs> he yeah. showed up, um, but also Bernie, you, when you say we don't, you know, he he doesn't have a choice. It's not like I mean, Arteta's playing like as a as striker, and he hasn't he hasn't had a shot on target in like five hundred years. I, I'm just so saying, like you know, again, this is the most positive about Arsenal I'm ever going to be. So take it for what it is today. But I absolutely respect Arteta's stance on, on Aubameyang. He wants who he can trust, who he relies on. I think more managers mm-hmm. should have it does the strength to do that. I, I, I respect that wholeheartedly. No, I agree. Um, it is just funny watching Lacazette try to do things. It's. Uh... I mean, I mean that goal that kind of had entire <laughs> North London on its feet was like yeah. going... It wasn't even going to go for a corner, mate. No. Like that was going for a throwing. Yeah, I was the most that was goal ever. The worst moment a mile. <laughs> um, just before we we wrap up, we have had a, another question um, from Ryan Ed at Adriano on Twitter, and his question is simply Spurs question um, mark, which isn't a great question. Um, I think it's what I would say, question. what I would say is that if Tottenham were like a human, I mean, let's be honest, a, a woman or a child in like the 1950s. They'd have been given a lobotomy <laughs> because, men, like, the men around them would have just been like, "This is too crazy. <laughs> we can't deal with this." Cut the brakes. Spurs out. are fun. 
I love them. I love them with all my heart. They will go and beat someone 4-0, and then they will lose to Middlesbrough in the Cup with a full-strength team. And then they will get, you know, they'll beat City, and then they'll get decked by, like, Wolves. Like, this is who yep. they are. And Antonio Conte is just so not used to the uncertainty and the inconsistency. Uh, to be fair, Kulosevsky killing it. Like, more than I ever thought he would, to be fair. Uh, it's, he's... he's... Sorry, I was just gonna say he um he's deceptively young because he look he's a bit Rooney like he looks like twenty eight already but he's twenty one which is like the same yeah. age as I Jack like Clark how stuff. I like how he lives in those kind of connecting spaces between attack and midfield he's someone is finally occupying those spaces for Spurs because it used to be so clear Hoiberg Winks or whatever just sat back and then Son and Kane just ran forward now there is that linking. Um, kind of piece that really helps Spurs. Now, can they kind of stop the leaking at the back and whatever? I don't think so because they got Romero who got rinsed today by uh, <laughs> Elegant. But point is, Devins and Sancho is not going to do it. Romero for me is not going to do it. No matter how many goals Doherty scores, he's not going to do it. Ben Davies is not it. They need a whole revamp. Fine, keep Romero and build around him, whatever. Hopefully he, he comes good. Lloris needs to go. Oh my God, Lloris needs Mm-mm. to go. Oh my God. You don't believe Lloris needs to go? Five needs to go. No. Here's the thing with Lloris is that, like, okay, so all goalkeepers make mistakes, right? You've got Allison and maybe Edison or whatever who make a couple less than everyone else. The next rung, which is where Lloris is, will make a few more per season. And you see them and they're high profile, and obviously they lead to goals because he's a goalkeeper. But the fact is that this guy, when you look at the, the goalkeeping statistics, is like, the third best goalkeeper in the league every season in every category you want. Like, he just is. Uh, all right, guys. It's been a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, 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 the eye test, the eye test is telling me he's shit. All right. Here's my next question, though. Who do you play? There are no good goalkeepers. Robert like, Sanchez. Yeah, I like Robert Sanchez, but, like, he makes mistakes, too. They're just less high profile, so no one goes to Melier. No, that's no not one my, my problem. Sure. <laughs> I'm just promise you. It's the same with like Maguire and stuff. It's like there aren't players out there that don't make mistakes, and that's what we all want from all of our players. And it just doesn't exist beyond like the top five players in the world. I mean... Fine. Look, I just answer the Spurs question mark question. That's <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> 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 we got more content out of that than I expected. I think so the real answer enough. is just more question marks because there is no answer to the question. That's Spurs. a good point. Yeah, add I some think. more question marks on the end there, and you've got your answer. There you go. I think that's fair. All right, uh, Bernie's got to go, so we'll we'll knock it on the head, uh, just like they would have done to Spurs in the 1950s. All right. <laughs> Manu, thank you. Thank Bernie, you. Thank you. Uh, oh, we'll chat wow. again next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.